Hi, welcome to Shift. It's PwC Canada's podcast series, and we're digging into key digital trends and topics that can make your business transformation a reality. I'm your host, John Finkelstein, and I'm also the creative director of PwC Canada. Here we are again. It's still the pandemic, but you're still with us, which is amazing. Thank you so much for being here. We have an amazing guest today, Kirsten Sutton, Chief Technology and Information Officer at Van City. Wow, thank you so much for making the time. Thanks for having me. It's so great to see you. You know, I have a, a real soft spot for out west. You know, we have lots of clients out there. My parents lived out there for almost 30 years, from 88 to last year. They were right down in Cole Harbor. Beautiful. So as you know, we love to talk about digital transformation and what big organizations are doing to really change the game. And it's very interesting because in a lot of the podcasts we've had previously, a lot of our guests have been talking about how COVID has really been a massive accelerator for digital transformation. But it's pretty interesting because the pandemic has really shed a lot of light on inequalities, weirdnesses, things that are really broken in, in, in our system, in our society, if you will. And I mean, that's something that's really, I think, foremost on your mind as a person. And I think um, in your job, that's a big part of what you're really focusing on, this notion of technology as a force for change. I'd love to hear a little bit about what you're up to and how that's and why that's important to you. Absolutely. So Van City, it's our history. It's why we started. It's our 75th year this year. And we started to try to meet the needs of members who were having difficulties in mainstream financial institutions. And so we're a member-driven organization focused on where members are at and meeting them um, where they need to be met. And so when you see the pandemic, you can imagine the needs of our members have shifted considerably. Right? Whether you're a, a, you know, a, an individual or a business, I mean, what's happening during this time has been consequential. And we're watching the divide get even wider. It is getting water. So tell me a little bit more about that because um, you're seeing it all unfold. And sort of pre-pandemic, what did members care about and want? And now that things have really changed and their needs are different, what are they asking for? What are you hearing from them? Yeah, what's interesting, I think, is that they're, what they wanted before the pandemic is the same. They want to be healthy. They want to have a vibrant business. They want to be contributing to their community. They want to, you know, run, run, you know, good, decent lives and, and great businesses um, that contribute. And so that hasn't changed. But then the pandemic came and it was so hard for them to continue to do that. Right. The access to capital was difficult. The customers you know, if you were a bricks and mortar business, they just weren't coming. And so they had to think about, okay, we still want to do the same thing, but we really need help in order to do it. And so we jumped in as quickly as we could. We said, okay, what, what help do you need? When the government came out with a program, we made sure we could facilitate that for them through our institution, whether it was SIBA loans or, or other programs that came out, whether it was taking away fees. So we waive fees on our ATMs, we waive fees on our uh, visa or an e-transfers and all kinds of places to just give people some respite so they could keep the wheels running and do what they always wanted to do. I love, I, I didn't know that. That's, that's really, really awesome, actually. The notion of every little bit matters, every little thing matters, whether it's, you know, ATM fees or, or whatever. But, you know, one of the things that I, I really gravitate towards is... This is all part of Van City's kind of DNA, isn't it? 
you didn't have to make it up. It's not suddenly we're all about champion of the people or this kind of stuff. You're living it every day. That's right. I mean, that's why we were formed. That's what we've done for 75 years. I mean, we want to be that financial force for change. We really want to be able to provide services for members the way they need them. Since we started, we've used the tools that we have in order to support people that perhaps weren't able to be supported in the past. So it's really, truly why Van City was started, and it's what we live every day. So I'm curious. I'm always interested, you know, in the sort of the boardroom, well, I guess it's now uh, Zoom room or whatever, um, conversations in the sort of the C-suite when it comes down to doing important but potentially initiatives that impact the P&L and all that kind of stuff. What was it like, you know, when you were making these decisions? Um, was it difficult? Was there a lot of discussion? Well, I joined and the pandemic was already in full swing. Uh, so I joined May the 4th. And yes, I am a Star Wars fan. So it's apropos. Awesome. Um, and so some of the decisions were already made. So I wasn't at the table. But I can tell you from when I joined on, um, it's really, we don't see them as trade-offs. We see them as our responsibility uh, to be able to do these things. It is, it's not going to serve any of us if if our members can't survive and thrive. And so it's our job to figure out what do they need today and figure out how we can support them. So I'm curious then, how did you go about really fundamentally understanding what your customers, what your members wanted? Did did you go talk to them? Did you did you see it, you know, observationally? How did you make those important decisions? Well, I think the beauty of being a credit union and being part of a cooperative uh, model is that we're very close to our members. Um, we know them very well. We are them. So I'm a member. Everyone who is a staff at Van City is a member, and we're very close to those who are part of our community. So very quickly, uh, our account managers reached out to their business members, and uh, their account managers reached out to their personal banking members to find out, okay, what's going on? What do you need? Certainly, our phone lines were overrun with, please help me. Um, this is happening, that's happening, I need this, I need that. And that's really what drove us to figure out, well, what do we need to do now? So I can't come in to the branch. Now what do we do, right? How do we get e-signature into place? How do we do online account bookings? How do we manage queues so that people don't have to be physically present in the branch? Things like that. So it sounds to me like there was an interesting kind of blend or synergy between empathy and technology, if that makes sense. Yes. You know, it's like, what do people need? How can we help them? That's part of our DNA as a credit union. And then you had to look at different technologies. How, how did you go about that? How did you decide? Well, the hard part was how to decide what to do first. Uh, I mean, the list of needs was so huge and it was so concentrated. The very first thing we had to do was make sure we could operate and, and continue to provide service. So the very first thing is to figure out what do our branches need to safely operate, right? And so figuring out what that might be. Next thing, you know, for everybody who was in the office space that needed to go home, they all worked in the office. We had to provision for about 1,700 people within a week to be able to operate from home. And so, I mean, you can imagine the flurry uh, that started at the beginning of the pandemic, provisioning, sending machines and laptops and monitors and uh, all of that to make sure that we could be up and running and process all of the work that was happening through the branches. And so that was really where we started. That was the most urgent need to make sure that we could continue operations and serving members. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, it's like in uh, 
in the airplane, you have to put the mask on yourself first before, before you can help others. So you got your house in order, if you will, made sure that all of your employees could function and serve members remotely. I have to think that the goodwill generated, the equity, the brand equity that's generated from even these measures, and we're going to talk about more in a minute, these members, I mean, what, what were members saying? What did you hear back from them? Yeah, you know, a lot of, it was such a hard time at the very beginning, so uncertain for all of us. And so any, as you said before, any any little thing that we could do, which is not so little. I mean, there, there's revenue behind those visa charges and we are paying for things that we're now not not able to cover at all. So it's not like we just didn't make money. We actually had to pay out money in order to support that. And we willingly willingly do that. Um, I'm not sure everybody understands that and nor do we need them to, right? But right away, the littlest things engendered such, again, goodwill and, and support and members just, just needed us to be there. And, and we don't do it for any accolades. We do it because it's the right thing to do. So we talked a little bit about how Van City is trying to be, a, you know, using technology as a force for change. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that and what that really means to you as a person and what it means organizationally to Van City? Now, we just launched a, a few things. We've been doing some rebranding and really pushing what we're calling, I think, a movement that we have been part of for 75 years and really want to accelerate. And we want to accelerate right now because we're seeing, as I said before, this widening of economic inclusion. I mean, people are falling further behind and we just don't want to see anybody left, left behind. Uh, we're also seeing that, you know, there are real life needs now. And I think it might have been masked before. Right. But when you have something like the pandemic that comes, you really get down to what actually matters. Right. What matters to people and trying to really help people with things that that they normally wouldn't be able to get access to. And now, perhaps because they're more visible, um, people are finding ways to do so. And the biggest thing is, is that we know just like climate change and you know, racial equity and, and the big the big topics that we're all really faced with very clearly these days, um, it takes systemic change. And that systemic change is not done by one institution or one set of membership or, you know, our 550,000 plus uh, folks that we, we work with every day, but it's going to take all of us. And so that's the movement we're really trying to push forward, that people are in need and we have ways that we can support but that support's going to take all of us to really change the underpinning of how things work. As an organization, when Van City was deciding to, to sort of reshape its positioning, this notion of leading a movement, what, like you have to be confident. And was it hard? Was it difficult? Like that's it's bold. I love it. Well, when the truth is, is all of what we're talking about, we've been doing. We just haven't been so vocal about it, right? We haven't really, and I think, again, it's been the past year that's just put things into such clarity that, you know, we, you can't just sit back and do your work quietly. You need to step up, you know, step out and really, you know, lead this charge so that we can get there. And, and you know, so we're just making really visible the things perhaps that people didn't know before. How are you going about um, being... I, I'm using agile in inverted quotes for those of you who can't see me because it's all audio, but the notion of, I'm not talking about agile uh, product development uh, frameworks. I'm talking about you try something, 
you measure it maybe, you look and see how it's responding, you make incremental or big changes. Did you find that you had to do many different kind of iterations of some of the technology or some of the ideas or product improvements that you've done? Absolutely. Absolutely. And probably the hardest thing, I think that what I learned first when I moved into financial technology is that it's both, uh, the expectation is that it should be really fast and quick and and Facebook-like experience, and it's heavily regulated. (laughs) And so how do you how do you actually operate in an agile fashion, um, just even from a speed perspective, let alone from an empathy perspective? Uh, you know, a regulation is a regulation is a regulation. What do you do? How do you? Uh, well, you look for systemic change in the regulations and you advocate for that on behalf of, you know, members and, and the population at large. Uh, so that's one thing you do, but that's sort of the long term strategy. Um, and you do what you can within the constraints. And so we try to, you know, rebuild our landscape to be more flexible so that we can, within the confines of these regulations, move as quickly as we can to deploy new services. Well, that's great. Yeah, because latency is a killer. How is technology helping turn your commitments as an organization from a vision, mission, DNA standpoint uh, into reality? Like, Yeah, when I arrived at Venn City, the very first thing I did was uh, ensure that we we embedded whatever we did with technology into our business strategy. It wasn't a separate strategy. It wasn't a different idea. It wasn't on a different time frame. It didn't have different goals and objectives. It didn't, it didn't have different investment. It was part of our business strategy. And so wherever we needed to go and wherever technology might enable um, that to uh, go further, faster, better, um, we were partly, we were ingrained in that plan completely. And so that was the very first thing I did. And believe it or not, that takes quite some time. Conceptually, it was very quick. Everybody understood that, but but you know, actually operationally, to to be able to link it so clearly into the business plan and have it, you know, time-wise, you know, fall into place, and you know, with you know, COVID sort of throwing uh, things at us every single day at our heads and our feet and our poking us in the eye, we, um, you know, it's taken a bit of bit of time, but we're now on track. We have a technology roadmap that foundationally will enable our business plan. Um, it takes us further than our three-year plan, of course, because the world uh, of technology is much farther out. So let me ask you something. <clears throat> I'm sure there are other CTOs who are listening to the podcast, or I hope, and if you are, hello to you. What advice might you give them if they're experiencing some resistance at the top of the organization that says, we want to keep these things separate, or you know, that's too much work, or that'll take too long? What, do you, what would you say to them to convince them to follow Uh, a similar approach that you have? Mm, That's a great question. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's a really great question. And I, and I would, I think it it really depends on, on, you know, where you're at in the journey and and what your, what your business is and what the, you know, what the experience you've had in the past was. So um, I think it's hard for me to say uh, exactly, but so other than figure out where you are in the journey, figure out what you need to do. Um, and I, I would say that this really works for us, or, or at least I'm going to give it, uh, you know, a really good try. Um, so, cause we're just starting. I mean, I really am only been here a year and really it's taken us all this time to just manage in, in the crisis that we've been involved in. Right. And so I would say that it proof is in the pudding, whether this is going to work for sure. Um, but I would say, don't give up. Um, it's hard. You have to relinquish some control. Not great. I don't love that. 
really a control freak. Ask my family. <laughs> and so, I mean, I have to say this is a shared responsibility. It's not just mine. So eventually, hopefully soon this year, <laughs> we'll be on the edge of COVID um, ending. You know, I'm starting to see signs of reopening and stuff like that, thankfully. So the momentum is certainly going in your direction right now. And I'm curious about how you'll keep that up and, and what kind of future ideas or plans you might have that will continue to sort of catalyze, you know, the Van City DNA of, of really being there for its members. Yeah, it's one of those, you know, be careful what you wish for moments for people in technology, right? Like, we've always wanted the digital channel to be, you know, the strongest channel. And, and we wanted to, people to really adopt digital services because they can, we can really scale and the reach is, is much uh, more easily done, right? And so with that in mind, you know, uh, here comes the pandemic. And now, you know, the speed that digital is being, you know, adopted is like crazy. But we have really been just trying to make sure that uh, people can access their financial services right now. And so there's things we have not been doing. And we get criticized a bit about this, right? So for instance, we have not upgraded our digital banking platform. You know, there are pieces of it that we, you know, it's very functional, it's very stable, it's very secure. And it's the only channel that some of our members use now. And so the idea during this time to have disrupted that channel, we simply couldn't do it, right? It just, um, you know, benefit of doing that versus the risk of, of some folks not being able to transact with us was not, was not worth it. So there's things that we have not been doing that we will start doing, right? So we are going to start renovating some things where when we feel it's safer to do so, where we can disrupt a channel potentially in a way that wouldn't be absolutely devastating for members. Um, so there's a bit of a little bit of a pent up backlog of things that we've been holding on to. So that's one thing. Um, the other thing we're doing is because digital has been adopted so quickly, we're really trying to leapfrog. So instead of catching up, we're trying to figure out, OK, well, we might have missed that. <laughs> so let's let's get over, you know, let's let's just sort of get over that and move you know, past it and see if we can you know, start up, uh, you know, a year from now. Um, you know, looking at a year from now instead of, you know, just trying to catch up now. So a lot of work looking at payments modernization and what's happening there. A lot of work at looking at consumer directed finance and being really ready to be just extremely flexible at the time when, when you know, it, it, the, the floodgates open and we can, we can start really running in that direction. So a lot of work to do a few things we've held on to um, and a lot of work to try to leapfrog. I would love to talk a little bit about the intersection or the interplay between cybersecurity and privacy. Um, I have to believe that, you know, as you continue to expand your digital channels, your offerings, and really, you know, embracing that uh, for better or for worse is because of, of COVID-19. How, how does that work with, how do those things do interplay? That, that's got to be a head scratcher. It's like the more tech you use, the more you open yourself up to security and cyber risks. So how did you manage that? Yeah, I don't think there's a CIO or CTO out there that hasn't uh, done the, you know, the math on that. The more transactions online, the more you have to, uh, you know, invest in this area. And so we're, we were no different than anybody else, uh, certainly. Uh, the threat landscape continues to increase. It's, it's incredibly sophisticated. I mean, I am, if I wasn't so, you know, 
terrified by it on days, I would be amazed at what people have come up with. It's, it is extremely sophisticated. You only have to look at the solar winds, um, you know, breach that happened in the U.S. to to see, you know, the creativity um, that people are applying in this area. So we've done a lot um, and we're continue to do a lot. Uh, we have increased our investment. We've increased the team. We have, uh, you know, beefed up our program. We have many, many more people monitoring our systems than we had a year ago, uh, for that matter. Um, and we're really looking to figure out, you know, how, again, how do we leapfrog ahead? So not just play catch up with what's going on, but try to really be in that predictive place when it comes to more behavioral based fraud management. Before we get into lightning round, which is non sequitur anyway, if there's any other topics that you'd like to talk about more or things that we missed or anything like about the business? Only something small. I think I, I, I would just really ask um, that people join us. <laughs> not necessarily, I'm not saying please join us as a Van City member, but please do that if, if you're so inclined. But uh, we really need to work together to come out of this recovery in a way that really is better than the way we went into it. And, you know, our eyes have all been opened to many things that we we just simply cannot uh, not look at anymore. And so I would ask that, you know, when, when you see something out there in the world and you want to make a difference, it's going to take all of us to do it together. So I would just ask folks to take a look at what Van City's doing. And if it's uh, something that you... Uh, I can get behind, um, please do so in your own organizations um, or join us and do it with us as well. I love the heart and the empathy that you're talking about and, and that you're showing to your members. I just think that's awesome. All right, it's time for the lightning round. <laughs> this is where I'm going to ask you some non sequitur questions, some random stuff to kind of round you out as a person. So I love the fact because, you know, we're kind of kin kindred spirits there on the English side, English literature. Do you have a favorite book? That's a hard one, I know. It's really hard. But if I, I mean, the first one that springs to mind for me is 100 Years of Solitude. Oh, 100 Years of Solitude. I haven't read that one. You studied French cooking. You have a cookbook. Favorite recipe from the book? Oh, God, that, that impossible. Okay, let me ask this. You have guests coming over to your place and you're going to chef something incredible. What might you make? So let me let you in on a secret that drives my family crazy. Every single time we have a dinner party, I never make the same thing twice. Oh. It, for me, is an opportunity to try a new recipe. And so I come up with a theme. I spend copious hours coming up with a menu, all the prep lists and everything as if I was back in, you know, in the, on the line uh, at one of the kitchens I worked in. And I make a meal that I have never eaten before. Do you have a new or interesting COVID hobby that maybe you've picked up in the last year? Much more gardening. So I have a really big vegetable garden outside now. And we, we ate, yes, I, I've had more tomatoes in the past year than I probably have in, in 20 years, uh, just from the garden. I love it. Favorite thing to eat for breakfast? I eat the same thing every day for breakfast. I eat uh, Gabby and Jules, a fresh granola. If you haven't been to Gabby and Jules, they're in Coquitlam or Port Moody. Um, best bakery, best uh, that I've ever been to and a great, uh, great organization that hires people uh, with disabilities, a uh, huge proportion of their organization. Um, enough about Debbie. Uh, so I have granola, yogurt and uh, frozen blueberries. Every day. 
getting my antioxidants and my gut health all at the same time. <laughs> I think we're out of time. So I want to take this moment to not only thank you so much for being here and for sharing what's going on at Van City and all the amazing work that you're doing that's really, uh, for me, it's like empathy meets technology. I think that's uh, um, a pr pretty interesting way for me to remember how it all fits together. Um, so thank you very much. And I'd also like to thank our listeners for hanging with us and for listening. I know there's so many different um, business and different podcasts that you could be listening to, but you chose ours. So that means a lot to me and to PwC and to our guests. So thank you very much. We'll be back with another podcast very soon. Hope we'll see you then. Thanks for listening to this episode of Shift. You can get more details at pwc.com slash CA slash shift. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, subscribe to our podcast series. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, or your preferred podcast platform. Just so you know, this podcast has been prepared by PricewaterhouseCoopers LLP, an Ontario limited liability partnership for general guidance on matters of interest only and does not constitute professional advice. Until next time.